Welcome to Behind the Biz, conversations with artists and entertainment. I'm your host, Megan Mason. Please subscribe here on YouTube and don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Now, on to the show. Hello! Hello. <laughs> Everybody that is going to be watching this, I'm super excited probably really excited to introduce to you um, Connie Grayson Criswell, who is a fantastic wig maker, um, contact lens technician in Los Angeles. Um, going through your credits is really fun. Oh, and that's, that's oh, I'm so bad about updating that. I only update my credits probably about every three or four years. So there's, there's a lot that's just not on there. <laughs> well, what is on there is super cool. Um, you know, for those tuning in, because some people will be watching and some will listen on the podcast. Right. So just to like name off a few of your credits and not embarrass you at all, but they're awesome. She currently is a wig maker at uh, Legacy Effects, which is an amazing studio in Los Angeles that yeah. pretty much has their hands in. I think most of mainstream stuff that people don't even realize they're watching, yeah. you know, commercials and yeah, we do commercials. We do makeup. We do animatronics. We do puppets. We do, um, suits, suit work. Um, we do 3d printing. We do design, digital design. I mean, it's a all encompassing building of creativity. It is and an awesome space. It's an incredible place to work and I'm I'm so honored and it's such a pleasure to work there every day because I'm challenged every single day. And um you gotta keep gotta keep those challenges going, you know, it keeps you on your game. Wow. And uh, the deadlines, you know, it's it, it just I, I, I get to the point I'm at the point where I'm always nervous, but sometimes but I always say that that's a good thing because that means I really care about what I'm doing. And uh this place has been the studio that has challenged me more than anything. I mean, we get some crazy things that come in there. And then we also get the, like the most magnificent things that we're just like, Oh my God, I'm pinching myself. I'm working on something cool. You know? So I have so many different great opportunities and it's such a wonderful scale of things to do. And then when I don't have work there, if it slows down, then my other job is as a onset contact lens tech. Which you've done a lot of, um, a lot of really great films doing that. So I, yeah, I kind of stopped now because I'm a supervisor at Legacy. So now I'm not really doing lenses unless I really need to. So I'm full time there. Because I want to touch on the contact uh, lens part of, of what you do, because a lot of people don't even realize that they're looking at contact lenses when they're watching special effects um, or just TV and um, and film. But some of your other credits, um, you know, Chronicles of Narnia and the Avengers and the Mandalorian and Stan Winston studio and Jim Henson studio and just all of these really amazing, almost iconic, definitely iconic. Oh, definitely. I have worked everywhere there is to work. I think most, most of the studios in town and it's, right. it's, all, it's I was going to say there's, once you get into the pool, then you kind of get to know everybody and everybody knows everybody and everyone refers jobs to everybody. And it's like a small town to a certain degree. But right. yeah, so you have to you have to be accommodating. You have to be friendly. You have to be able to get along with other people. If you don't get along as a team member, you're not going to work that much or you're going to be working on your own at home. So, you know, all of these studios have this group effort and team effort and it's, 
you have to have a good attitude. I'm telling you. You know, I remember um, Mr. Westmore, Marvin, when, when I was in school, he wasn't there all of the time um, in class. We had different teachers and, but he would come in every once in a while. And the one thing that he said that has always stuck with me. So this was 2002, I think. So, you know, do the math is he said, I don't care how good you are. He said, if you are an a-hole, I am not hiring you because I will find somebody that is decent at what they do. And I will show them what I want them to do because I'm about to spend 18 hours a day with this person. Yep. And it really stuck with me. And after working, you know, in the industry, it is absolutely a truth. Oh, absolutely. It's your friends that are going to give you the jobs. Yeah. So you have to get along with people. And if you act like a prima donna or if you act incredibly selfish, no one's going to want to work with you. No. And these are some really cool, cool films and stuff that you that you've done. Of course, Mandalorian is like one of the big, giant, most recent ones um doing um hair and and wigs and effects punching hair and did I you punch hair on that one yeah i haven't done any wigs for it i work for legacy does the creature effects the creature so effects. i worked on the, the baby and i worked on um uh quill which both of those two per season one i only had the two characters and then season two, um, there was a team of five of us that worked on the Bantha, hmm. the big, you know, the big hairy beast. We worked on that. Um, and then I worked on, oh, got a brain, brain fog right now. My boss was this character that the green character in the very first episode of season two, he had the um, single eye. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Gore Koresh um, is his character's name. Yeah. So I worked on Gore Koresh and um, the baby. Again, we have a few, you know, we have baby and you have walking baby and you have different ones. And then um, what else did I work on? How was that seeing the little, the baby on your desk? <sighs> so cute. I know. It's just that. You almost cry. I mean, literally, when it when it when it lands on my desk every time, and I have to touch it up, I almost have tears going down my face because it's so sweet. It oh, really the eyes are so big and like just, <laughs> <laughs> and then you can see all of the little hairs and stuff that are on the top, and that is oh my gosh, part it's of a, your work. And it's it is that's my work. I do all those little white hairs. And it's, um, I have to use magnifiers because the hair I'm using is so fine. And it's, uh, and then, so I basically do like from the back of the head all the way up to the front and along the ears. And then also on the back of the ears, which I don't know if anyone really even sees it, but I do. Um, and then I cut it down and then I curl it. So it has just a little bit of a bend. What hair are you using on that? I'm using mohair on that. Oh man. Yeah. I like the magnifiers that you have. I bought some. And those are good, right? <laughs> I was like, if she's doing this teeny tiny hair using these magnifiers, I need whatever that is for my own life and my students. <laughs> right. And I'm older than you. So I'm 54. So with being 54, it's trust me, those things. Once you hit your 40s, your eyesight just goes downhill. Oh, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> oh, wait. It's going to happen. It's already happening. Yeah, I was gonna say, you ask anyone, and I work for an eye doctor, and Dr. Sumner told me that when, when I turned 40. She's like, yep, it's going downhill. Sorry. It happens to everybody. 
So, <laughs> so as you get older, you want to take the vitamin lutein. <laughs> It'll help. Noted. Lutein. So <laughs> I want to back up a little bit because you um you were born in San Diego. Yeah. And raised. Fabulous. When you're raised in a place like that, you think that everybody gets to be raised in a place. At least I always thought like, oh, wow. I mean, it's not that big a deal. And then you leave it and then you realize, oh, oh no, I really want to go back. <laughs> I miss it. <laughs> but I don't get to go home very often. So, Oh, man. It's, you know, whenever you were in San Diego, I know you worked a bit there. But when you were, you know, young Connie, little Connie, were you... Is this the path that you saw for yourself? Did you know this was an option or what no. did you want to be when you grew up? I I had so many different dreams. Um, I wanted to, of course, when, you know, Red is the Lost Art came out, I wanted to be an Egyptologist and just study mm -hmm. the tombs and go into the tombs and do that sort of thing. I thought I would probably have something to do with animals because I am such an animal person. and or animal fish, all types of creatures. I love them. And at one point when I was going through my wig making training at the old globe theater, I had a part-time job at the San Diego zoo. And my dad was um, a zookeeper back in the sixties. He was actually, yeah, I think he was like one of the original zookeepers. And so when I worked at the old globe, I would work part-time at the zoo during the holidays and then the other half of the year I would, or the other part time of the year I would work as a teacher's aide. And then I'd go to the old globe theater, like at three o'clock in the afternoon and I'd, and I'd get my wig making training. I'm kind of going ahead of myself here, aren't I? Um, yeah, but that's so cool. Like you worked at the zoo. I did. I loved it. And so there was a point when I was going through my wig making training where I thought, am I going to go to work at the zoo or am I going to work doing this hair thing? What am I doing? And I kind of had to make a decision. And it was hard because I thought if I do this hair thing, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be in theaters, but it could bring all kinds of unusual opportunities. Who knows? Or I can stay working at the animals, you know, work at the zoo. So I just decided to go with the different opportunities. And I'm sure the zoo would have done the same thing, but it's just a different avenue. I mean, you did get to create animals like the Revenant. I do it all the time. <laughs> I do it all the time. Looking at those pictures, I'm like, that looks like a real horse. That, that is real hair. We did a horse. We did a donkey. And um, I love those kinds of projects. Oh, it's such a thrill whenever they say, oh, we're going to do this, you know, horse or something like that. And then when you find out it's for a really great film, you're just like, wow, it's just icing on the cake. So when do you find out, like, I know we're jumping all over the place. That's fine. Timeline wise, um, like spoke so for that that project that Appaloosa um, horse, you know that he climbs inside of. There's a really great picture. I think I shared it on Instagram. I'll share it again because it's really neat. Um, but do you know that that's what you're making that for when you first get the project? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. And then I didn't really come into it until because the hair is always last. Yeah. So, you know, it has, has to go through the sculpture and the design, the sculptures and, you know, the molding and the whole process of everything that we have at the studio. And then finally, it comes to hair and fabrication. So fabrication started with using NFT, National Fiber Technologies, and draped it. And then we ended up making um, a horse's mane, which was, I believe it was human hair and yak hair. And mm. yeah, it was almost like making like a huge weft. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, almost like that but include making it out of um horse hair and, and human hair it was it was interesting and same thing with the tail 
and then you we uh, the, the front of the face is flocked. I'm jumping around. I'm jumping around, people. Hold on. It's so, all good. And flocking is <laughs> it's a technique of hair. Um, that what you do is there's an electric static electrostatic uh, gun, I guess is what you'd call it. It has a basket in it, and you fill the basket with cut hair, like cut human yeah. hair. And then it has a screen that covers the top of it. And you plug it in and you ground the the flocker to the whatever it is you're going to be putting hair onto. And you put layers of adhesives on it and you let it dry and you make it nice and sticky. And then you get the flocker out and it shoots the hair onto the skin. And then you use different types of um, hair dryer. Well, you use hair dryers and you kind of basically just kind of... Um, make the design of the patterns of the hair. So like if it's going in all these different directions, you can kind of blow dry and use brushes and just kind of move it into that the so cool. The face would be done with something like that. And then we would add hair punching, which is when you take a needle. It's basically, um, we use beading needles and we put it into like a wig making handle. And you take a beading needle, which looks like this. Here, here we go. And we cut to the top of the needle off so the needle looks like that. And then you cut off that arm. So then the needle looks like that. And you put the needle into a holder. So it kind of looks like a little spear going into the holder. And then you take the hair and you push the hair into the skin. And then that's punching. So we kind of find, that's our fine work, the finishing work is all hair punching. punching. Uh, so at least three, four different techniques just for that one horse. It's amazing. And sculpted and all these other things. But it makes it, you know, I it really does make it look so real because yeah, <laughs> people, I think, you know, when they watch these things, they get very concerned. And I'm like, no, no, it's just oh. amazing technicians. Don't worry. <laughs> well, that's why they have that thing at the end of the movie that says no animals were harmed. So, <laughs> right. There's I mean, barely the any animals. Was harmed. The human hair was harmed, but that's about it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Oh my gosh. So when you were little, did you, you wanted to do with animals, but theater and stuff with like, well, how, what made you go into wigs at the old globe? Okay. So I'll do the cliff notes version of my career. Um, <laughs> at the beginning of my career. Cause I tend to be a talker. Um, I started in college and again, I was into Egyptology and I was in community college, just taking classes, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I had just started and I was 18 and I was taking all these classes and I think I was living at my grandmother's house at the time. I had moved out of my parents' house and I wasn't quite ready to live out on my own. I lived with my grandma and she had a huge house. So I kind of stayed at her place. And um, my work schedule, I was working, like I said, with the city schools as a teacher's aide. And then I was also working in a restaurant as a waitress and going to school. And my um, classes, my sociology class was conflicting with my um it was just too heavy with amongst everything else. And I wanted to do well in it. So I basically, after about a week decided, now I'm going to just can this and I'm going to take something else because my work, my school load was just too much with everything else. Yeah. So I thought I'm just going to do something fun. I'm just going to, you know, just something different. I'm in college. It's my first year. Let's do something fun. So I closed my eyes and mm -hmm. I opened up the catalog. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and I closed my eyes and I pointed and I hit drama. What? And I thought, are you kidding me? There's no way. I mean, I I grew up really shy. 
So for me to, which it's hard to believe because I'm a chatterbox. Once you're <laughs> <laughs> um, so I thought there were three classes available. There was the acting class, there was a costume making class, and there was a theatrical makeup class. And I grew up in the 80s um, with Michael Jackson and Thriller. So when I was in high school, Thriller was, you know, that was the bomb. And everyone was running home from school to watch Thriller and then to watch the making of Thriller. And then you had like The Thing came out and there was all these amazing effects movies coming out. So that was kind of the, the real boom of makeup effects. And I, I used to run home from school and make sure I was there by three o'clock because it was on MTV. And um, I was always so much more interested in the behind the scenes. And so they would always show the making of, which was Rick Baker and his effects crew and, yeah, you know, building it and showing that him, you know, doing the live cast and doing the contact lenses and everything. And I was just enthralled with it. I'm like, I want to do something like that. That's so cool. So then when I saw the theatrical makeup class was available, I thought, oh, that'd be fun. I'll do something like that. Like the Michael Jackson thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I did and I loved it. I loved it. I love being behind the scenes. I had no interest in being an actor. And I did take an acting class at one point and a few other uh, dramatic classes. But no, I went right for the theater. Mm -hmm. and it gave you an understanding of what they're doing, but you're like, mm -hmm. I'll just. Yeah. And then my teacher, I, I did really well in the classes, um, which is interesting considering I'm not an art, not like a, a painter or I can't draw at all, at all. <laughs> so the thought that I could actually do well as a makeup artist was kind of interesting to me. So I started uh, volunteering at the local community theaters and um, I started getting jobs. And I'm, it's, I'm, this is so distracting. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look directly at you instead of the camera because I'm trying to go back and forth and it's messing me up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I do both. Uh, no, if I look at the camera, okay. I'm looking at you. But if I look at you, I'm like looking down. <laughs> I'm just going to look at you. Um, so anyway, so I took the classes. I started volunteering in community theater and I loved it. And I just progressed. And I ended up um, realizing that I wanted to work in theater. I wanted to learn wigs because I wanted to work behind the scenes with the actors. And at, at that time, especially when I was doing musical theater, the actors were doing their own makeup. And they didn't oh, yeah. need a makeup artist. So that's when I learned, okay, well, if I want to have a career in this, I need to become a wig maker. And at the time, the Old Globe Theater had a wig making school, but it was closing down. And I kept bugging him and bugging him and calling and calling. And they're like, no, 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 we're, we're closing the school down. And I'm like, please, there's got to be something I could do. They said, well, check out the wig making school up in San Francisco. And I can't remember the name of that school, but it was associated with the, with the San Francisco Opera. Hmm, okay. I took a road trip up to San Francisco. And I thought there's no way that I could make a living and go to the school and do all of this at the same time. I need to stay in San Diego. So yeah. I kept bugging the old globe until finally my eventual teacher said, okay, okay, I'll teach you whatever you want to do. So I, I had already learned <laughs> just how to tie hair from the um, La Jolla Playhouse wig maker. I had gone there ironically on a tour when I was working with the city schools and I saw this guy making wigs. I'm like, and I said, that's what I want to do. And I asked him to teach me how to, tie hair and he did and I went away to a camp a dramatics camp um that summer called Camp Balabe and I was a camp counselor and it was just a theater camp 
And so I was like the makeup and hair person who helped provide all this stuff for um, the kids. And I just practiced tying all summer, making these crappy little mustaches and beards and eyebrows and, you know, just for the kids for, you know, to do these plays. Yeah. It was fun, you know, and I got a little bit of training. And then I went back in the fall and Frank hired me at the Old Globe. Well, I should say he brought me on as an intern. And so I was an intern for a few months, then got in as an apprentice. And um, then by that summer, the next year, I was working at the Old Globe. I had quit my job as a waitress. I quit my job at the city schools and I was working full time at the Old Globe Theater. And That's then, so fun. Yeah. And then I did all the theater in San Diego. I did La Jolla Playhouse, the opera, the San Diego Rep, Lamb's Players. I did all kinds of it. And then I just wanted to get out of San Diego because I was, I had never really gone anywhere. And I've always been a travel lover. So I took a job in Boston at uh, the Huntington Theater. And I worked there and at the Boston Ballet and at the American Repertory Theater for about six months. And I could not take the cold. I was just about to ask you about <laughs> that weather going from San Diego <laughs> to Boston. It's so bone chilling because the cold, the snow comes right off the ocean or the, the cold air comes off the ocean, I should, I should say. So it's it just goes right into your soul. And I just want <laughs> I just wanted to die. I was like, get me out of this miserable, snow-filled, awful place. I hate it. I don't know how people live here. <laughs> San Diego, I'm such a baby. <laughs> you're like, I need the perfect, because California has the perfect weather. So you're like, I need that. Right. We're 76 degrees. Come on. You know. Wear <laughs> a sweater at night. Um, but you also, you went overseas to study. I was reading, you won a Guthrie Award. I Tyrone to Guthrie. I went to Canada. Yeah. So basically I did um, four years in San Diego and in Boston. And then I was working, I had gone back to the globe after leaving Boston that summer. And I, I met this uh, costume designer from New York city and he had just returned from Stratford, Ontario. And he was telling us about this incredible theater at the Stratford Shakespeare festival and mm. England, England in Canada, the, um, I believe theater there is government funded. So mm -hmm. instead of it being nonprofit, so they have more money to put into their costumes and into the sets and, you know. Oh, so yeah, so, needless to say, their wigs were gorgeous and they <laughs> all were practically film quality. And I remember saying to him, I, I really want to try and, and get a job at this place. So he said, well, send your resume and send a portfolio or some pictures and, and see what happens. And I did. And unbeknownst to me he had been very good friends with the wig master up there and he got me the job oh, see. and next thing i know and i for the rest of my life will be thankful to him for doing that um but anyway so i, I got a job in canada at the shakespeare festival and the wig makers there i believe are bbc trained um oh well that would yeah so their wig making is much more tailored, much more fine-tuned. Also, they have three theaters there. Two of them are um, thrust stages where the stage goes out into the audience. And then one of them is a proscenium stage where you look up to the actors. So because they had two thrust stages, they yeah. didn't need scenery. So all of the money goes into the costumes. and the. I mean, they have um, customers from all of the world who work there and shoemakers and jewelry makers and hat makers. I mean, just unbelievable theater 
I, I, my mind was blown when I got up there. I couldn't believe how amazing that place was. And I had um, work papers. And so every year I would go in January and worked until basically around Thanksgiving. And then I would, they would, in my contract, they would fly me back to San Diego for the holidays. And then I would do the whole thing the next year and start a whole new season. And I did that for four years. <laughs> and I learned so much. Oh my God. They put me on the worst jobs. They had, um, this theater was started in um, Stratford, but what had happened is Sir Tyrone Guth Guthrie from the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis, he had gone to this part of Ontario. And I guess he thought, wow, this is amazing. The whole town was basically uh, named, all the names of the streets and everything is all based on Shakespeare. So they said, you should have a Shakespearean theater here. And so that's what they did. They erected one in the 50s. And then again, now there's three big stages there and it's phenomenal. And um, so what you're talking about, the Guthrie Award that I got was I was there my first year and there's one day a year where all of the actors and the behind the scenes people donate their their fee for the, for the day and it all goes into this pool and then you can you can apply for an award you can nominate someone for an award whatever and they have this one night where everyone if you if you've entered or you know, just want to go to this thing people win money and you win money to do things. And it's all about educating yourself and furthering your career and yeah. furthering your education and being the best kind of artist that you can be. And they're trying to help you. So that's what this, isn't that amazing? Isn't that it's awesome? so amazing. It's such a great place. I really loved working up there. I mean, if anyone ever gets an opportunity to work at the Stratford Festival, you take that opportunity. Do it. Yeah, because it, it's incredible. I, I don't even, I, see, I think about this and I'm like, my God. <laughs> able to do all of that and then and then I worked in Hollywood so there you I go know. <laughs> that's why I'm so excited to talk to you hello <laughs> your you. career is amazing it's just really so wonderful and that you're nice on top of it it's like it's it's just I've been so lucky and um a lot of it is you know it's just thankful to God and thankful to try to everyone who's helped me because someone has helped me along the way with every step so I think it's our job, right? If you have a, an opportunity to help somebody that you see potential in, yeah. you know, that little tiny pay it forward. Look what happens. The ripple is so amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes everybody feel better and it helps just lift someone up just a little bit. And you can't be insecure about that kind of thing because you have you just you have to pay it forward. It's good for your soul. It's good for another human being. It's just human kindness. And yep. we need so much more of that right now. I mean, is that the truth? Right. I was just watching a thing this morning on um, CBS this morning. It was on, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the name of the, the actress who was married to Sean Penn, who was in The Princess Bride. Oh, uh, Robin Wright. Right. And she just did a movie. She directed a movie and stars in it. And it's about kindness. And I think that's all awesome. about the penguin or the, the, the bird or. No, it's. I think it's called Land, and she's directing. And she goes off yes. into the mountains and tries to yeah. change her life. But it's all about, you know, paying it forward and being good, a good human being. And you have, you know, it's good to just. We need more of that. We need more of that. And less there's a quote that I have hung up in the studio and just in my life, and it's the work hard and be nice to people. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's so simple, really. It, and they say that it takes so much more energy to be cruel and nasty than it does to be nice. And I work with all kinds of <laughs> people in this industry. And, and in my career, I've worked with all kinds. And, it, and the people who are kind, ultimately, I mean, they progress. Right. You get to see them. It's interesting to look back, right, and see, like, where you all kind of were and then where you are now and who kind of fell out of the way and yeah always... everything um did i read that you did go study period hair i did so that was what i did when i won that guthrie award so uh, yeah so that's where you went yeah so my first year there i i applied for a guthrie award and i think i applied for i think it was twelve hundred dollars or something like that i was dirt poor i mean this was dirt poor in the early 90s so and I was working in theater. I don't even know what I was making, but anyone who works in theater, you know, it isn't much. Um, sadly, <laughs> but it's a wonderful experience. You just don't get paid well. Um, yeah. So I was working at the theater and I applied for this award because I basically I was doing so much period hair at the time and I was learning wig dressing and I was going through and trying to study, you know, the different period hairstyles. And I had nothing but these kind of crappy images in these old books and I thought I need to go see the paintings I need to go to Europe and see and get some historical books and some costume books and all of the stuff of the time periods and go to these art galleries and study and so that's what I did I'm like, I, how do I do this yeah, <laughs> yeah. what so, did their hair actually look like in these? I needed to look at the structures of their hair and just kind of see different time periods and how the hair evolved because I was going by the the Corson book which was great mm -hmm. but, you know if you've seen the Corson book it's black and white and it's just like a little hand drawing yes. sort of thing and it, that wasn't enough for me so I won this award I got to go over to England and I was there for I think I was about two weeks and I had a friend over in uh, Birmingham and I stayed with her briefly and I went to Paris and I went to London and that's all I did is I just went to the museums every single day and I bought a bunch of books and then I carried all those books I still have them I still have them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, stupid. I love that. No, keep I them. These books, you know, because I, I went, I went all the way to England and France to get these amazing books, and the last thing I'm going to do is part with them and just give them the goodwill. But I know you can get everything point and click now. But no, but but what happened here in Houston? We had this huge freeze. Nobody had access to anything for like a week, and everybody made fun of me because I keep all of my DVDs. And guess who watched? only DVDs for the last seven days. There's books. something about a real book, I tell you. <laughs> so I feel your pain. I got one book when I was in Paris. Um, it, it was a costume book and it was so huge. But I was like, I have to have this. I have one too from Paris and it's all in French. Uh, yep, yeah, mine too. Does it have Marie Antoinette on the front? No, it's a costume uh, book about one of the theaters there. Um, the Comédie Française, oh. and yeah, it's so heavy. And my friend was like, "You're not bringing that back." I was like, "I'm bringing this back. <laughs> I'm gonna pay for it probably, but I'm bringing it back." Oh my god, yeah. I did the same thing. And you know what? When I was in, also, I took advantage of just being young and stupid at the time, basically. But I just took advantage of the fact of where I was working at the time when I was in Paris, and I went to the Paris Opera House. And I knocked on the door, and the, there was nothing happening at the time. It was probably like four in the two or or three or four in the afternoon. 
and I got, and I didn't speak any French at all. And I managed to get the security guard. See, being a girl, use your hands. Got to use those assets when you need them. So <laughs> use your assets. And the security guard got me down into the wig room. The wig makers were there and they're looking at me like, who is this person? What is she doing? How, why is she here? And I managed to meet the wig makers at the <laughs> Paris Opera House while I was on that trip and somehow got it explained who I was, where I was from, and that I just wanted to meet them and see their work. And they were so sweet to me. I don't even know who they were. I, to this day, I have no idea who they were, but they were really nice to me. I bet we could find out now with the internet and look and see like who was working there during those oh, years. Yeah. I <laughs> oh, there's that internet thing. Sure, let's try that. Can look up on the Google. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I was in um, Stratford for four years. And then after eight years of doing theater, I had had enough. And I had what I had had enough of was the work schedule the six days, uh, seven days a week, six days a week, Mondays off was just, I had missed so many family events and birthdays and just having a normal life and getting off work at 11 30, 12 o'clock at night after, you know, setting the wigs and leaving and cleaning them. And yeah, you know, you don't go to bed until two in the morning. Cause you're so wound up when you get home, you can't, you just want to go to a pub or you hang out with your friends for a little bit and then, or walk, go home and watch TV. You know, so I can't take that schedule. I'm, it was too much for me. So at that point I felt like I had had enough confidence or at least enough to get started in Hollywood. Cause I didn't want to go to Hollywood without really understanding wigs. Yeah. One thing is the Stratford festival, they, because they started in the 50s, they had a wall with these large drawers just full of wigs. And it was amazing. And I was working on wigs that some of them were, I don't know, at least 20 years old, 30 years old. And they repurposed their wigs. And then they also built new wigs. So that was the best education I could have had because some of these wigs were just falling apart and I had to make them look good. So that was, I, again, I got all the crap work because I was the new kid on the block and I was, yeah. American, you know, <laughs> I know, I don't know if it was so much that I was the American. It was just, I was the new kid on the Little block. Little do you know at the time that the, that kind of having to be um, scrappy and crafty will yeah. serve you so well. Well, it, it was the best thing that they could have ever done for me. And the, they were such great wig makers there and they taught me how to tear apart wigs and not be afraid of it and take like i said take the oldest nastiest thing and make it into something beautiful and i use those techniques every single day Isn't that crazy? yeah i mean those it's it's a priceless education to me that was me going to college because i never finished college so to me going to canada for four years and learning how to tear apart wigs and learning how to dress wigs and learning how to run shows and work with actors and know what to say, what not to say, how to stand back, let the actor have their moment, all of that sort of thing. That was my education. And then by the time I came to Hollywood, it was no brainers. I, and also growing up with my father being a commander of the bomb squad and, and coming from like a police family and nurses and teachers in my family, I'm not phased by actors. And I know people are, and they get really nervous and, and giddy, and they just get all weird. Just, stop. Come on. Just normal people. Stop. <laughs> Blow their nose. They sleep. <laughs> they watch TV. They have, well, they're just normal people, everybody. And I, I'm always surprised that people get so freaked out over actors. I just don't 
understand that when you, like I said, because I came from people who actually saved lives for a living. And, you know, my dad would, he, you know, go into, he would have to de-arm bombs, you know, and my stepmother was a, a marshal and she would, you know, escort prisoners on a Good Lord. <laughs> I mean, so these are the, to me, that's, these are amazing people who do what they do. And actors are amazing too, though, at the same time. And that I'm not just, I'm not trying to diss actors at all because what they go through and is difficult and the production is based on what they're doing and they're in the focus. So I am a big supporter of, but uh, the starstruckness is not, it's yeah, not the Star Trek, yeah, star, star Trek, starstruck thing is, um, I, I don't get that. And a lot of people have said, like, well, what what are people like? What's Johnny Depp like? And you know, what's our, and I'm like, regular guy going to work, you know, he comes shows up in a limo, you know, it's but you know, they're nice people, you know. So I guess it all depends on how communicative they are with us. And you know, some of them are a lot more chatty and conversational, and some people become your friends actually, and some people, and then a lot of them don't. They just you go from one, you're gypsy, and you go from one project to the next. Now, were there um different designers and artists that kind of in the beginning made you like let's say when you first started working on pirates and you were doing contact lenses for pirates of the caribbean right right um but like v neil is on there as the makeup artist and she's like at the helm of all of these amazing films from the 80s and all of that special effects yeah. and stuff and how was that oh it was incredible and then on top of that she had an amazing crew of incredible talent. I mean, that was top of the top of the scale talent on that show. And it ran like a machine and people, I saw some amazing work, you know, amazing. And I did a little bit of hair work on that actually, not too much. I did, um, I did the beard for um, Keith Richards. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which I think I think it originally was supposed to be a stunt beard or something like that for or a photo double beard or something for Johnny or something and then they ended up they needed one and they had that one and it fit and they ended up putting it on Keith Richards so talk about an honor an unexpected right? honor you're like wow that was a, and he was a trip I mean <laughs> he was he was what an interesting guy and just so mellow and cool. And I remember I was um, coming off stage. I had to go back to base camp because I had to get a couple of actors out of their contact lenses. And just so you know, so like all the leads had contact lenses. So we had Johnny would wear um, like a sunglass contact lens so that he's not squinting all the time. And he wears these all the time when he's working outside. And a, a lot sunglass of these, contact yeah, lens. He's got brown eyes, and then we would put a contact lens that's like a darker brown on top of his eye, and so it makes his eyesight like a sepia tone. Isn't that interesting? Yes. But then he's not squinting, and baseball players actually wear them too. They wear sunglass contact lenses. Yeah. Well, I kind of want those for real life. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 smart. It's very it's smart. so smart. Yeah. So anyway, Johnny would wear basically like the sunglass contact lens. And then um, some of the other leads also wore those type of things whenever, because we were in the sun all day long. I mean, you yeah. have to, when we're on those, those ships, you, you go out on the boat at 9, 9.30 in the morning and you come back at 6.30, 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. And you're just exposed all day. Because once you go out there, you're out there. There's not, you weren't really associated. Sorry about that. Turn that off. <laughs> 
<laughs> now everyone wants to talk to me. Uh, <laughs> so um, a lot of people would wear those. And I, I, whenever you're wearing contact lenses, I have to be there. So if the lenses are in the eyes, I have to be wherever the actors are. So um, Orlando wore his once in a while. Johnny wore his all the time. So I was mostly with Johnny. And then um, I would also take care of Reggie Lee um Mackenzie Crook who had the fake eye you know the well he had two large scleral contact lenses piggybacked in one eye and then he had another large scleral contact lens which a scleral completely covers your eye on the other eye and so he, he and Lee also and they wore these large lenses and they, the the look was a, like a jaundice look so, and then Jeffrey Rush had the same thing, like a, a jaundice and, and then veiny eyes. So if you look at the film again, if you look at it again and they show close-ups of the actor, take a look at their eyes because they're meant to look kind of yellowy. And yeah, and veiny. they do. Yeah, and that's contact lenses. And I think this is a, a really kind of important point to tell people is like, so many times when you're watching film and you see, you know, like they have like people being beat up and they have blood in their eye. Um, any of those types of things, if you do a quick query on Google and it'll be like, what blood can I put in my eye for a special effect? And it's like, yeah. no, but all of that stuff is contact lenses that you need a technician for on set, which is what you do. Yeah. You can get bloodshot contact lenses. And we, I mean, there was a, a time period from, I'm trying to think of when I started, I started doing lenses in 2000 and, two or 2001 right around there and um oh gosh it's 2020 oh my gosh i've been doing it 20 years um, <laughs> <laughs> wow time flies um there was a time there when i was working half the year doing hair for all the you know like running all around from one studio to the next or working at home and then the other part of the year it seemed like i was on set doing contact lenses so like there my first film was um, where I was a full-time contact lens tech was Memoirs of a Geisha. Oh, right. I know. That movie is so beautiful. I just watched it last night. I hadn't seen it in years. Every frame is like a painting. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely, and Rob Marshall was an amazing director. And I got to work with the lead actress, Zizang. She's so beautiful. Oh, she's luminously beautiful and lovely just a lovely girl in the beginning of that movie she could barely speak english and by the end of the movie she was very verbal very oh very interesting verbal. yeah she was very her english was great um considering where she started um at a lot of, most of the actors on that show didn't speak english oh, so, interesting. but i was the one thing that i had noticed last night is there was, there was one character she almost sounds a little bit drunk and it's because of the language barrier and that she was uh, Japanese and she's never spoke, you know, she's learning her lines for the movie. So that she doesn't really know how to pronounce them exactly. Unless the cadence isn't there. Exactly. Um, so I started off doing um, some lenses for a while and then hair. And then eventually I got hired at Legacy in 2011. And this will be my 10 years at Halloween this year. At Halloween? Yeah. Halloween, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. I'll just send you some black roses for yes. thank you. I love that. <laughs> for your anniversary. Do you remember what your first feature film was doing um wigs? Like 
and um, that feeling. Do you ever kind of think about that? Well, the first movie I ever did hair work for was Congo. So, Congo? Yeah, that was my first hair, hair my first job in Hollywood. That was scary. <laughs> well, let me tell a story on that. Um, <laughs> I was in uh, Canada and I knew that I was going to leave. And I think it was like the fall of Canada, that year of uh, 1993. And I moved to Los Angeles, 1994, right when the earthquake hit, the big earthquake. Yeah. So a few months ahead of time in the fall of 93, I just started sending resumes out. Cause I thought, I thought, well, I'm going to move there in January. You know, I, at the time you could get a makeup effects book that in the back of the books you would, or sometimes in, even in Fangoria and some of these magazines, I, th I think it was Fangoria, you could get addresses to makeup effects studios oh. and free internet. Of course the internet wasn't around yet because this was 1994. So I, had some makeup magazine or book or something and I found all these addresses and I just started sending resumes out and just getting some kind of a conversation like hey hello I'm moving to town I'm a wig maker you know I'm coming <laughs> yeah, <Rob."> you know <laughs> um so I started doing that and then I got a I got a call from Stuart Artingstall in December and um he did the Dracula wig oh <gasps> Yeah, the Gary Oldman Jack, Dracula wig. Oh, yeah, the one that's in the Smithsonian. Mm -hmm. So he calls me. Talk about, I mean, losing. I would have freaked out. <laughs> I was basically kind of like losing my mind. Oh, my God, Stuart Artingsalt just called me. And he said, um, oh. he said, I have uh, possibly some work in January. When are you, are you going to move here? And I said, yeah, I'm moving in Jan beginning of January, and I'll be there, and, and I can work for you if you, if you need some help. I said, but I had, I had promised to do a couple of days at the LA Opera. So I moved to LA. I did a couple of days at the LA Opera and then the earthquake hit. The big Northridge earthquake. And I was in San Diego. I remember it was Martin Luther King uh, Day and my uh, everyone's calling me. Are you okay? Are you okay? And I said, I'm in San Diego, actually. I'm okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had to go back and the freeways were a disaster. And I went to my apartment. All my food was thrown on the floor and everything was just thrown into the middle of the room. It was a nightmare. Anyway, so I started on Congo and um, a few weeks later. And then two months later, we started making these gorillas. And two months later... Uh, Stan Winston, who gave me my job, won the Oscar for Jurassic Park. No, what? We watched this weekend. Four. So that means, you know, um, I was looking at a really great shop, and I, you know, when I walked in there, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I had, I knew who Stan Winston was, but I didn't really understand the scope of Stan Winston. I mean, cause I was a, I was a big Rick Baker fan. So I didn't understand really who Stan was until of course, like I started working for him and I'm like, Oh, so you did the dinosaurs. Oh, you did. You know, I was there when I interviewed with a vampire. Oh, that's what I was just about to ask you about. I go to the screening of that. And my, my, you know, my current bosses you know, worked on that. And so it was amazing. In that movie, the veining that they do on them is so. Yeah. So delicate and uh. contact lenses too. That's where first time I ever met a contact lens uh, uh, technician. Her name was Joanna. And that's really cool because those contacts and in interview the vampire. I mean, now they're so replicated. I mean, even when you buy them, you can buy like a Lestat 
eye or a Louis because the just the way that they were painted was so beautiful. Yeah, and we'll talk about talk about a field that is incredible and there's very few people who do it and those who do it are phenomenal artists and the reason i know this is because she my, one of my very best friends christina patterson she does she's like the top contact lens painter in the world if you can imagine something that looks really cool and amazing on film that's a contact lens she's done it most likely oh. she's done it um and she is and she there's a painting right behind me hold on of hers that you can see the detail. Look at this. Whoa. The mer people. Oh my God, I'm all crooked. I look like I'm drunk. Hold on. <laughs> it's like mermaids and mermen and. Yeah, this is her work. Whoa. The amount of tedious work. That, and this is just what she does for fun. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's she knows a lot of detail. Yeah, she knows I like mermaids and lighthouses and all that. But wow. I, yeah, she's an, a phenomenal artist. Let me put this back on the wall. Um, yeah, the whole contact lens world is so fascinating. Because, yeah. like, if you have to have the contact lenses for, let's say, Johnny Depp, which I don't know if he has a, a wears glasses and has a, a, a prescription. Yeah. So then you have a specialty lens that also has a prescription in it. Yes. Or you can also piggyback the contact lenses. Yeah, you can, he can, they can wear their lenses and then put another colored contact lens on top of it, but they tend to stick a little bit. So it's, excuse me, it's easier to get a prescription uh, contact lens. That's so crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole other world. It, really it is. A other world, a whole other conversation. She would be, you should get Christina. Yeah, you should definitely. Christina, if you're watching, we should chit chat because I'm fascinated. <laughs> and talk about an interesting um, career path. And and her mother was a really well known um, makeup artist on I think Happy Days and Bionic Woman. Like I like all of those 1970s shows that we grew up with. Her mom was doing all that. She was I think she was doing makeup on that. And so that's how she got into. She had started off as a makeup. And she, I always uh, remember makeup on like Wonder Woman and because I, I just thought she was so beautiful. Right. And um, on Knott's Landing, oh, yeah. the, <laughs> the villain, uh, Morgan Fairchild, mm -hmm. I love her makeup. Even now when I look back at it, I have like a visceral reaction to her makeup because as a little, little Meggie, I was like, oh, she's so pretty. I didn't know like she was the, the biatch of the group. I just thought she was so <laughs> beautiful. Well, hence why I don't wear much makeup right now is because I grew up in the 80s. So that was my high school years. And oh, we were just caking it on. I mean, and you'd wake up the next morning and your face would be all broken out. And so now, and then the 90s came and the grunge. Yeah, and that was awesome because everyone was like very little makeup, very simple. And I thought, thank God, because just painting on all of this makeup every day was so bad for my skin. No makeup and just like red yeah. matte lipstick. Yep, red matte, the Sade look, you know, the drum. <laughs> yeah. And like gold, and, not gold, but like tan and gold on your eyelids and just mascara and big red lips. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it so much. I mean, the 90s was when I was a teenager and it was fun. It was a good fashion. And it, it went through so many changes between 1990 and 1999. There was like, oh, yeah. 
15 <laughs> different subgenres you could be. Um, I was never a goth girl, shocker, but yeah, I'm okay with it. Goth kids at the shop. This goth oh. makeup effects as a perfect marriage right there. I mean, they, yeah. we have so many goth kids. And they're such sweethearts. I mean, and they're all tattooed up and they're all wearing black and they got the nose rings and the ear, you know, the huge, you know, gauge ear mm -hmm. things. And the, the latest thing it seems is like shaving part of their brow. Oh, I guess that's a thing. Um, or I'm just old. I don't know. But they're, and then they're sweethearts. Absolutely. They're sweethearts. They're just nice, really good kids. So I don't know why. Give got kids. They like get a bad rap sometimes, yeah, and they shouldn't have a bad rap because they're incredible artists and nice kids. Um, what did what contacts did you do on Inception? Uh, Leo DiCaprio. In mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I worked with him on that movie in the the very I think it was the very first day, and then like right at the end of the movie, I only worked with them probably two days, the whole time, two or three days at the most, if I remember. And um, that was a talk about a stressful film. Ooh, ooh. I think that in, in interviews, they don't even know what was happening in that movie. Yeah, it was, it, well, it was a Christopher Nolan film. And it was, so it was a little intense. It was a little intense, that film. Um, and he was, that was the first time I had worked with Leo. And I had worked with him a second time on J. Edgar. And his personality was very different on J. Edgar. He was much more... Um, even though he was under all the heavy makeup and stuff, and he was still a lot lighter in personality than he was on Inception. I think just the whole experience was a lot, you know, to take in and what they were trying to achieve. And, you know, whereas J. Edgar was him replicating a real person. And I remember going into his makeup trailer and he'd be watching things like Guys and Dolls. And he'd always watch all these classic films. He was a real history buff. And just I love that. It was sweetheart, really a nice guy. And is there a period that you love more to work on? I mean, I know a lot of the stuff that you work on tends to be it's just kind of all over the place, really. But is if if you could pick, like they were going to do a film or a, a play, what is a period that you are like, yes? Oh gosh, that's a difficult question. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with something completely different and say I would love to see more Egyptian stuff oh actually I think this is a very interesting answer because I haven't seen Egyptian stuff since Cleopatra well and how much actual historically accurate right. Egyptian stuff have we seen not very much and right. I just did this webinar on like the history of of makeup and and hair and wigs and going all the way back and looking at some of the pieces that they found mm -hmm. and trying to decipher like what is it actually made of or the sculptures you know there's the one it was in france and it's like is it a hairnet is it a, a hat that they've created or was it hair that was plated and there's no way to know so i think it would be i like this answer i think this would be very fascinating well, and guess what? I got to go. There's a that new. Um, I don't know the name of it. It's this new museum that they're going to be. They were supposed to open in October of last year, and I think they're going to be opening this year. Of it's all Hollywood artifacts and of all the films, and this, they're creating this huge. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. Building, building down in in LA near USC. Yeah. 
Okay, so I got to go to the archive building. Oh. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I got Did to you freak out? Was it awesome? Oh, you have no idea. So I got to, I had to, I made something for the Jim Henson Company, which I'm not going to say because I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. So I, let's just say I made something to go on one of their displays in this okay. museum. So I got to go down to this place to deliver it and meet the people there. And wow, talk about, <laughs> talk about an amazing place. I got to see Elizabeth Taylor's Cleopatra <gasps> Wick. Oh yeah, I got so they're basically this museum is is all Hollywood artifacts for all these years of history of film and and oh my television. god, I think it's all film. I think Tom Hanks is behind that museum. Yeah, I don't know the name of it. For some reason, I'm I'm having brain fog probably because I'm tired. Didn't get enough sleep last night, but um, yeah, I don't the name of it. But yeah, it's the one that was supposed to be opening in October, and uh, you know. I just can't think of the name of it. But anyway, that museum, it was an amazing. And it was literally these huge, um, how do I explain this? Uh, almost like wall size file, filing uh, cabinets, but uh, not cabinets, but it's aisles that they could actually move, slide. Oh, and yeah. Have you seen that kind of thing? They have them in different archives and they crank it. And so then it opens up and then you can go and like, just so they can fit more stuff. Exactly. And so I got to go in and I just got to kind of sneak in and see a few <laughs> things. And this girl was so sweet to me. She was so nice. Cause she's like, Oh, you made this with, let me show you something. And she, and then she brought me to see, showed me the Cleopatra wig. And I, I almost lost my mind. I'm like, can I take this home? I just want to take it home. Please let me take it home. No. I'm like freaking out that you got to go. <laughs> It was such an honor. It was such an honor oh. to see that stuff, you know. Have and you ever gone to the Academy's uh, library? No, no, I haven't. So you can go, people listening, when I worked on my thesis, because I think you'll really appreciate this, you can go and request to see things from, from their special collections. Okay. And so when I was working on my thesis, we have, I have like the budgets for Casablanca and the um, memos and stuff uh, for uh, Ben-Hur and things like that. Like you can request all of these things, but then they also have like wiglets and things from the 1920s and they're in like the most immaculate shape you've ever seen. I was stunned. That's cool stuff. That's a, that's yeah. a thing. Oh my God. So yeah, this was just aisles and aisles. Of, and I only was on oh. one level. And I only went into one room and I, and it had all of the, these aisles of all of these huge tall aisle, aisles with all these, you walk down one thing and you're like, Oh my God, that's something from the blob. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know, there's all different kinds of things. I got to, I think I got to see a Willy Wonka costume and I, it's, it's just mind blowing. Mind blowing. So so can I stay here? Can I just hang out I here for the day? To, for this place to open when it opens. I, I, see, I feel so stupid because I don't know the name of it. I'll look it up and and then I'll I'll figure out what it is and put it in the the yeah. little captiony thing. It's not like that. No, it's not the Hollywood Museum. I can't think of the name of it. Anyway, it has but no you're, what the coolest part is is you actually are a part of that museum because of the different films and stuff you've worked on. There's 
you're a part of that history. Isn't that amazing? I think, yeah. I mean, at least I got to do that one thing for Henson's. I don't know what else that I did that may be in there, but who knows? But I mean, in like a very general sense, like, you know, just looking at your, you know, looking at your, your filmography and stuff and your CV, it's like, these are definitely movies that people hold with them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like how the Grinch stole Christmas. Like that is an iconic film, you know, Memoirs of a Geisha. That was sometimes the the first introduction that people had to that, to that culture. And, you know, the Mandalorian, oh my gosh, my nephew alone, well, he can go on and on. He's nine, he's eight. He could go on and on about his love of this movie. So I just think it's very cool that you didn't even know that's what you were going to set out to do. And now look. Yeah, not at all. I have, I've been so lucky and, and, worked very very hard um but it's I, I just look at every day that i get to get out of bed and go to work and makeup effects is a blessing that that is really is i love my job i love the people i work for i love all the projects most of the projects some of them make me cry um, <laughs> but i think that's with everybody some of these jobs you're just so afraid of but I was uh, talking to a friend of mine the other day and, and I had this very important thing I had to work on last week, which shall not be named. Um, and my boss was saying to me, oh, it's going to look great, Connie. It's going to look great. And my husband, oh, my husband called me, husband, future ex. Um, <laughs> um, and, and he says, you can, you're going to do a great job. And I just like, oh, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. But he, I think he finally understands after me being there for 10 years now that my nervousness is actually a good thing because that means I'm going to give it everything that I've got, my blood, sweat, and tears. And that's another thing is I have these weird little omen things. I don't know if other wig makers are like this too, but it's almost like if I if I don't accidentally cut myself or or bleed on it to a certain degree, <laughs> then it's like it's not going to be good enough <laughs> and there's many projects where i will accidentally cut myself and i'll say oh okay good this is good that means it's going to be good i feel like if i don't have at least one mess up in the either styling or creation to where i'm like well that's just ruined i can't go <laughs> forward and then you know you go take a break and come back and you're like okay and maybe i overreacted i feel like if that doesn't happen or i have a favorite hook yeah and when it breaks, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> well, man, I don't know if you saw on my Instagram recently that I stabbed myself with one of my favorite knotting hooks. That was, So, yeah, I'm making wigs for, I'm 54. I've been making wigs since I was 20, so 34 years. And I finally stabbed myself with my wig making hook. And it was, it's so typical. And I was making Grinch hands <laughs> on top of it all for a McDonald's commercial. So... I was, I should say I was prepping to make them that weekend and we were racing around on this other project. It might've been the John Travolta thing. I'm not sure if it was that. Oh yeah. Everybody see the John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson Christmas commercial and yours truly, Miss Connie, maybe. I worked um, on the hair. Yeah. But we had a team of people. It was Michael Ornalis, Aida Kafer, uh, my friend, Sharon Bendu Fink. She did some eyebrows for us, but we ended up not using them. We ended up using a different pair. And then I worked on the wig and the wig, oh, was, the wig was actually a Cal East wig and I refronted it and I added oh. some different low lights to it. And um, I added a 
I just added a lot of stuff hair throughout it, and then I thinned it out, and I, I changed it a lot. But the base of it was a Cal East wig. <clears throat> we use a lot of um, store-bought wigs from time to time when we have these commercials because there's just no time. Yeah. Away from scratch. You you have sometimes I have a day, if that, to do something. Most of the time it's about a week or two weeks. So question um for you about like about that particular process um is you have John Travolta coming in, you have to make a wig for him, you have like no turnaround, right? Do you already have a um a a, a block for him with his bubble? Like are you just guessing what it how does that work? We didn't have um, we didn't have his head, and he. What we ended up doing with that one in particular, which was a rarity for us, um, usually we'll have our digital people take a. They have this digital scanning gun, mm-hmm. and their computers and um, like I don't know if you saw the Super Bowl. We did that Timothy Chalamet uh, Edgar Scissorhands commercial. With oh, guys did that. It was yeah. so great. Yeah, we did that. So, so I went down to um, I went down to Hollywood. He was staying at one of these really old, cool ho- hotels, and we took our friend, my, my coworker uh, Jim Charmans, takes the digital scanner, and so he can digitally scan Timothy, and then they can print up a head off of that. But I was also there to get his head measurements and do a head tracing and all of that because I was going to give him a wig, and I actually went and got a wig and I refronted it and. The whole thing, the whole process, because we weren't sure if he was going to want to use his hair. And he ended up using his hair and they ended up adding some little extra pieces. So my wig got shelved. But we did the scissors on his hands and we did the, you know, the the whole gloves and everything. Um, But we didn't do a costume. I think the costume was made somewhere else. But usually um, if the actor can't come in, then, like I said, we'll either have someone on location send me a tracing and send me his measurements. Um, or sometimes we have a head cast done wherever they're at, sometimes Toronto, and then they send it to us or vice versa. There's some stuff that we've done for some people from a different country and we'll do stuff for them and send them that. But I get head casts of the, or I should get, I said, let me, I'm sorry, let me back up. I get a head form made out of foam, a harder foam, and I get the actual head of the actor, meaning the, the head cast of the actor. So I get to work. It's it's about as perfect as you're going to get it. You know what I mean? I don't really have to use canvas wig blocks or wood, old fashioned wooden wig bo- blocks anymore. That's because, amazing. Yeah. So that's why everything fits, you know, <laughs> it fits beautifully. There's no woodiness. Yeah. It's not like in theater where you have to have multiple fittings and have the actor come out because there's no time. So, you know, most of the time we do these commercials and like with the John Travolta thing. So let me back up. So with the ba- John Travolta thing, um, we did we didn't have access to him and so we ended up contacting another um effects studio who had his head cast from hairspray and oh, wow. so, yeah our friend tony gardner so we contacted them they sent us the mold we ran a, a mold and ran a head from head form for me so we ended up having his head forms even though they were a little older it didn't matter still had his his head size and yeah. we fit the the wigs off of that and then it's it's all a wing and a prayer, you know, and you just you're like, okay, it's time to shoot. I hope it fits, you know. <laughs> oh, it looks so beautiful. It's amazing. And that's the thing is we don't always, usually it's a one-time deal, one-shot deal where we, you know, we get that one time and then we just have to send it. So we're praying that 
one, it fits. And then two, that the makeup, that the hair person or the makeup artist, whatever, puts it on properly and doesn't ruin it. Because that's another thing that I've had, I've seen in my career is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, there's been, I've seen, there was one, I'm not going to say which film it is, <laughs> but there was one lead actress with a wig um, who the makeup artist, or I should say her hairdresser, always put the wig on crooked. Oh, no. And the actress came to us one time and said, um, why doesn't this wig fit? I don't understand why this wig's not fitting. And we had, I mean, she had her head cast right there. It's, it, it, that's like, as accurate as you're going to get. I mean, and a friend of mine, um, like the, the hairdresser had gone away, <clears throat> excuse me, and once someone from our company met with the actress and shifted it. <laughs> and shifted. then it fit like a glove. He's like, oh, there it is. And like, uh-huh. So sometimes we have to deal with that sort of thing. Or um, um, I've seen um, union hair people take a hot Marcel iron to the front edge of a lace wig and say that, oh, this is how I get the wig lace to lay flat as I take a hot iron across it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I went back to the studio and I told my boss and I said, um, we might want to make a second wig. <laughs> <laughs> You're like just, just maybe. This uh, hair person who is this actor's hair person is taking a hot Marcel iron, you know, and he knew exactly what that was because he was a makeup guy. And I said, you know, putting it in the oven and putting it. So one, not only does it, can it potentially burn the front lace and burn the hairline off, but it can also discolor the lace. Yeah. And apparently this was an old Hollywood trick that this makeup hair person was doing. You're like, no. And yeah. So all I can do is build the wig and send it off and pray to God that it, it's in good hands. And I would say 99% of the time or 95 to 99% of the time it is because they do train the union hair people. And, you know, the union's pretty great when it comes to that. They have classes all the time. But uh, thank God. <laughs> but <laughs> that kind of stuff happens too. And then they'll blame the wig maker. They'll say, oh, this is, this is not right. And they'll send it back to me. And I'm like, you ruined it. <laughs> You're like, well, of course, now it's not right. <laughs> yeah, this one actor on this one famous movie, which shall remain, remain nameless, you know, had a complete um, meltdown and started throwing uh, fronted makeup chairs in, in his makeup trailer and took his wig and ripped it in half and tore his makeup off. And the makeup, one of my friends had to repair that wig. And had to be up all night so it could work the next day. And oh yeah, you get all kinds of weird stories of bad behavior. Oh man, taking their costumes and tearing them apart and eating in them. And you know, you just right. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> Do you know how much that wig is? I don't know if you remember in theater. I witnessed this a lot. Actors would sometimes just rip off their hair, their wig, their wig, and just throw it on the floor. And I found wigs like in shoes, you know, and I'm looking all around the, the, the dressing room saying, where's the wig and can't find it. And it's rolled up in a ball and part of their costume. And it's just, you're like, okay, someone actually made that wig 
and spent <laughs> made <eight it>. hours <laughs> spending probably 40 hours making that wig or however many hours a month sometimes a month making a wig and you're rolling it up like a ball and that may be between a you know four thousand to twenty to thirty or whatever thousand dollar wig and treat it with a little bit more respect oh yeah we were very lucky on Ka. Our um, bosses and upper management were very supportive of wardrobe department and our wardrobe supervisors were amazing. And so we, we touched the wigs the most of the time. Like we were like, your fingers are never, don't touch. Never, never. Like we will handle it. You know, <laughs> just, just don't, cause they would just get their fingers up in there and like trying to do stuff. And, um, and the performers, you know, I would say 99% of the time, um we're respectful of that and, and if there was that one percentile i think we just put the fear of god in them <laughs> <laughs> well they don't have to educate them because they don't know so, you know especially yeah. performers they don't know what things cost they're like <laughs> what and so they were great they dropped their wig off you know and put it on you know like a little turtle and all of this stuff and but there was definitely occasions where we would find a wig on the floor and I was like, because they're like $10,000 on that show and fully custom made, you know, and you're just like, what are you doing? Mustaches under someone's shoe. You're like, yeah. it's okay. It only took me two and a half, three hours to make that. I'll, I'll stay tonight and make another one. Thank you. That's fine. That's awesome. Thank you for giving me that extra work. Oh my gosh. Oh, I could literally talk to you forever. But before we go, I want to see what what is it? Is there a motto or anything like that that you find yourself telling yourself a lot that propels you forward, especially with this year? And it's so hard. And, you know, we all have personal things going on, plus COVID, plus work. You know, what is it that keeps you positive and going? <clears throat> days. Some days we don't win. <laughs> yeah. For me, it really, it, it really is imperative to have people on your crew that have the same work ethic and um, the same, hopefully, optimism and, and not um, so self-centered and selfish because we have so much stuff thrown at us all the time and it really can affect your attitude if you're with selfish people and difficult people. So I, I think it's really important to, to talk, to maintain a, a great deal of conversation, positive conversation and positive reinforcement with the people you're working with and with yourself. Yeah. You know, it's again, I'm notoriously awful at that because I, I'm, I'm crazy Virgo. You know, I'm just constantly like nitpicking everything. And I, I can be very difficult on myself and I have to uh, self edit and I have to start thinking about, I have to think about the big picture and think about, you know, just if you just keep your attitude good and um, just try to do the best work you can and be nice and positive and be nice to the people you work with. And when someone does something great, celebrate them. Absolutely celebrate your coworkers because we all deserve to be lifted up. It shouldn't just be a one-sided glory. It should always be a team effort and it should, everyone put their stamp on it and everyone deserves to have their name spoken and, and written. And we don't always get credits. That's another thing is that 
in, in the film industry, like I've never been on the credits of Mandalorian. And I, I don't know what the deal is with that. I've been on, my, my bosses have been incredibly gracious to me in other ways and including printing my name in, in the magazines and, and different things. Um, and but, on the website, you're on there for the Mandalorian. Yeah, but I mean, there's certain, like, I don't, I don't know if the, if the list is limited or what, but I know that I believe the first seasons, like half the names of our shop were cut um, so a lot of it, I don't know if it's financially, if the, it costs money to put names in credits, or I don't know what the whole deal is with the whole credit situation. But that's the thing is you can't do it for the credits. You, you're doing it because this is what you enjoy doing. And I, and for a long time, you have to kind of take your ego and, and put it aside because if, if you're only doing it for credits and awards, you're in the wrong reason <clears throat> because, especially in makeup effects, because you know, it's not everyone is, is going to get, not every, my husband always says, not everybody can be in the parade. You know, there has to be other people who are just sitting there watching the parade. And so. And putting on the parade. And putting on the parade and building the parade and building the floats and all that. And so, you know, for me, I just really enjoy the ride. I, I enjoy the whole, um, what's going to scare me today? <laughs> what do I have to make today that's going to scare the bejesus out of me? But that's, <laughs> that's good because it keeps me, it keeps me fresh and it keeps me scared and it keeps me um, wanting to just keep trying harder. And I always want to just learn new things. And that's another thing is you just got to keep educating yourself and um, learning from everybody and don't get stuck in your ways. You know, you hear about these people who, just get to a certain point and they think that, you know, they basically, they think that their shit doesn't stink. And you can learn from everybody. You can learn from someone cleaning a toilet. You can learn from, you know, the new kid who just got out of makeup school. We're going to have all new kinds of new techniques in there that I'm not going to know about. I'm not constantly sitting on my phone looking at new makeup and hair techniques. I mean, I try to keep updated, but, um, you know, you're going to learn something from everybody. And you I think it's important to have an open mind. Yeah. Especially as an artist, you have to have an open mind. Absolutely. Fear is a great motivator though, you know? Yeah. And it's also important to be respectful of everybody you're working with in, like in my case, in the shop, because everyone's got a job to do. You know, there's, there's, there's our bosses and then there's the digital designers and then there's the sculptors. And then the mold makers and the, the silicone and foam runners and the people who seam and take all the seams off and the painters and the animatronics people and the fabricators and the hair. And we all have a job to do. And it's important to be respectful of every person's job because it's not just about you. You know what I mean? There's everyone is putting their, everyone's putting their stamp on it and everybody wants to do a good job. So I really, like I said, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but. I think it's just important to acknowledge who's around you and what they're doing and yeah. trying to not rush people until you have to sit on them and say, I need this. <laughs> I need more than four hours to do the hair. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to go out tomorrow. So please give me more than four hours, you know? So, you know, you don't press them unless you absolutely have to. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you Thanks. and Pleasure I'm to you. super excited to see what you have coming up next. And eventually I'll make it out to LA again at some point after the pandemic. Well, and hopefully if 
you know, at that point, hopefully they'll let us do tours again and come out and visit me. Yeah, I would love to see the shop again. It was the most outstanding thing I think I've ever seen. It was unbelievable. That was fun. All the, all the effects shops are really cool because they all have their own style and everyone's got their own. But like I said, it's a little community of people. So everybody kind of knows everybody. And, you know. I love it. That's neat. I like the effects industry. It's great. Love it. Well, you can check out Connie's work on any film <laughs> really coming up and definitely the Mandalorian season two and check out her IMDB for upcoming projects because she's going to update it. Sure I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Sorry. I always tell people just go to Legacies, Legacy Effects, go to their website and you'll yes. see Absolutely, the Legacy Effects website because the shape of water, like all of these films that are just unbelievable, come out of the, that shop. That <laughs> Iron Man and Avengers and oh, we get to work on such cool stuff. Oh my god, I, it's it's fun. And then, and then what's <clears throat> what's great about it is there's so many nice people in that shop, and everyone is still even us are the older generation of effects people we're all still really geeky about it you know we still really love doing makeup effects and we know that we've got great jobs and we love our jobs and we have fun jobs and not yeah. everyone gets to have you know these kind of jobs and we know how lucky we are so you know like we're trying to pull in <laughs> even doing things like pulling in family members like my stepson he's working with my husband right now at the jim henson creature shop which is great because he had tried other jobs and and uh eventually he's like i want to do what you guys do so you're like yes because it's awesome yeah so now we have younger the next generation of effects kids coming in and the kids of the kids and they're going to be running the shops and hopefully still hire me you know <laughs> please still hire me <laughs> <laughs> i bet they will yeah it'll be interesting to see what my son does you know being around all this stuff all the time yeah i mean i look at it like i'll probably keep working until my hands fall off you know <laughs> i'm the same I i'll come that. help you and and we can work together while our hands fall off and not stab us because i have a feeling there's no retirement <laughs> no. yeah <laughs> kids i don't know i'm not getting political but uh, um, <laughs> uh, i think i'll probably work until my back gives out that's another thing is you and that's oh that's that's something I probably should have said too is like it's important to have self-care when you're doing this kind of job as well as I think just any job it's important to take care of yourself and take your vitamins and get massages if you have your back hurts go get a massage it'll make you feel a hundred times better and go for a swim and exercise 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 eat well because you know what you put in your body is gonna reflect all over yeah. I started doing CrossFit about two years ago and it's so fantastic. It's made me emotionally strong as well as physically strong. And again, I'm 54 years old. And if I can lift weights and enjoy it and run and do all these exercises, then there's no excuse, people. <laughs> <laughs> Get out there and be healthy because you'll last longer and you won't be in the hospital. And right. They say as you get older, um, you want to be healthier and and you know they say you don't want to look like this which is for people who are listening it's my fist you want to look more like your finger you want to be thin because then you have less problems health-wise so that's what i'm trying to do just trying to stay healthy and 
Sorry. Same I here. Tangents. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I love it. And I love talking with you. So I don't mind at all. Um, yeah, it's been almost an hour and a half. That just flew by. Wow. I know, right? Maybe we'll do another segment in the summer or something and catch up on like what you've done for the, the spring. If I, can you know. talk. <laughs> if I can talk about it. If you can talk about it. No, there's like 800 things in here I could ask you about. I have a whole printout. It's very fancy. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, you enjoy the rest of your evening. And if anybody has any questions for Connie, just shoot me an email and I will let her know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have people, I always tell people that, like, I, I'm not very good at talking on the phone. And, um, but I'm great at, if you have any questions for me ever, you can always email me. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll let people text me and sometimes I'll text back if I can, but I have no problem answering any questions anytime about anything when it comes to hair. Don't ask that's me. amazing because there's yeah. like some baby artists out there you know that watch and listen to this and yeah, send me an email I don't they care. just don't even know what's out there it's amazing well when i started there was nothing so i mean there was like a couple of like i think there was maybe three or four wig schools in america and now you can just point and click on go on youtube and see videos on it so i'm you know Isn't wild yeah but yeah. yeah i don't mind answering any questions i don't ask me for a job because <laughs> that's the one thing people are constantly asking me can I come work with you you know I I just learned how to do tie five hairs can I come work with you no. <laughs> I need seasoned professionals because <laughs> I will get that I'll get kids like right out of makeup school and they think that they can just call me and be like hey can I get a job with you but our deadlines are so fast and fierce I just don't have time to train people I really don't and I've had people ask me to teach and I, I don't have time I don't have yeah. time. I mean, I, I'm literally trying to get my job done and get it out the door. But there are some seasoned professionals out there that are not working right now. So if you are interested, shoot me an email and we'll forward it on. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, oh, it's iron. Um, and if you're, they're looking for set work, call the union. Don't call me. I yes, it's that. a very different, different thing. <laughs> don't set, so don't ask me for jobs to go to sets and uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, even if you just like some wig person out there or someone has questions, you know, about how to do something or just to have me look at your work and critique it, I'm a harsh critic, but it's good because it's good to get a harsh opinion because then you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I will be brutally honest. Hold on. Something is happening. The school is right by a fire station. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're on their way somewhere oh all right well have a wonderful rest of your evening and thank you so much for joining me today on behind the biz my little baby this was fun <laughs> i'll talk to you soon before you before you hang up i just want to say to, to those whatever wig makers that are sitting out there in like some dark little hole somewhere tying hair and listening to this you're awesome i just want to tell you you're awesome <laughs> no, for real. because we've all been there and we've all done that and i'm thinking about you guys and you're awesome oh we'll see you next time okay bye
We'll see. Thank you for joining us today on Behind the Bits, conversations with artists and entertainment. You can also check out this episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. See you next time.